Hello and welcome to the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It's Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. Our ranks are as depleted as Tottenham's this week, as it's just me, Rosa, and Billy left to stare in utter disbelief at the wreckage of our once middling football club. Just one week ago, we'd beaten the champions at home and more importantly, had a fully fit squad. Today, we have, what, four first-teamers out with long-term injuries and we lost 4-1 at Leicester City, who I believe hadn't won at home since October. October. Billy, what the fuck? I know, it's really dark times, isn't it? It's one of those really, ones. That's really underselling it, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, just, it wasn't just a loss, was it? It was like an absolute battering. And like, we don't, you know, we, we lose plenty of games this season, but that's the first time we've been like proper handed to us like that. And I, I find it really depressing that it's against Leicester because, you know, we have a pretty pretty decent record against them. And I, I hate Brendan Rodgers, so makes it all the worse that it would have to happen. But um, I think, it, I guess it's been coming, hasn't it? Like the the kind of the sort of, you know, the negativity around us over the last, this 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 season in general, we've been owed like a result like this. And, Do you uh, feel that actually? Because I feel quite shocked by it because I think I, if you, you know told what, I, me I, that we were going to lose, I'd have been like, sure, I'm not surprised. Yeah. But it feels like Tottenham this season are finding new ways to stress us yeah, out, and humiliate I, us. I um I genuinely thought that you know we we had that we had that Man City game, and then they they, they said they had a meeting afterwards, and they discussed things, and they they you know they thrashed it all out and starting starting again of Conte, and then we went up, we went, kept like three clean sheets, um against like Fulham, Palace, and then even Man City as well, and Preston, four clean sheets in a row, I think it was or something like that. Yeah, and um yeah, I thought maybe we've turned the tide again, and then. But I, I, I guess looking back on it overall, it's been a, it's been a largely sort of bleak season. With you know, I think we're kind of this is just the the consequences of our own actions. Oh, it's the consequences of our own actions coming to meet us again. But um, yeah, so I was, I was, I did maybe think that we had turned the corner, but you know, I think this is we're sort of back to square one here. Yeah, we completely are, and I, I like, I feel like I say this a lot. Whatever we say on the pod, one week just Tottenham then kind of decides to prove us completely wrong the next week. But this again, just felt like extra, extra, just kind of digging to make us feel there's no way around it, man. This is just like, it's embarrassing, isn't it? It's fully embarrassing. Yeah. And, it, and it wasn't like, it wasn't your standard loss. Like, you know, mm. you, you like we've had this season, you know, for example, the Aston Villa game or something like that, where we lot, we, you know, they took their chances. We didn't take ours or whatever. This was like a proper, this is one of those end of time losses, like the ones that we've seen before. You know, like the, the sort of Pochettino Brighton loss and things like that. This is one of those real ones where you you makes you question everything as a fan, makes you question the players, the manager. Um, it was a it's a real worry at the moment. So, but you know, and the good thing about it is, is we've got a massive game this week to turn it around. So you know, <laughs> ho- hopefully it's one of them ones. That's where, the good thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's a blip, but and then I know that we'll talk about this in a minute. But the the real sort of icing on top of it all was Benton Car, man. I just you know I could, yeah. I could I can I can face losing to Leicester. Like I can, I can face. It. I hate Brendan Rodgers. I hate the whole organization. I hate their fans. Do you know what I really hated was this this image that was going around after the game of this Leicester fan with a his phone. And on his phone, he had a picture of an empty trophy cabinet and he was showing it to, at, at Tottenham fans. It's like, we've literally won more trophies than you. And now your league title was quite a, a relatively far away. But it's not really like, oh, yeah, we won the league recently. But you're now basically the same as us. Like, you know, if you didn't win yeah. the league last year, you might as well have not won it. So 
it's one of them things like I, I hate them. I hate that organization. I hate everything about them. But then and Leicester have always been able to do this to us, man. It's like you feel petty say no no you're the same you don't get to show us an empty trophy cabinet man like we've won more trophies than you but it makes you feel dumb it's like, like it's, it's like, like the like third this... in a two horse race thing you're like no that's not that's not how that went down that's not how that went down like arsenal were top on valentine's day how are we the ones looking like idiots but you can't say it because it makes you sound crazy and do you know what sums it all up is that sort of jamie vardy harry kane feud like there yeah. is no realm, there is no possible conception of, of any idea that Jamie Vardy is a better striker than Harry Kane, but he kind of, he won that kind of little battle that they had because of that lion picture and stuff. And like, that just sums up Leicester. Like, they have nothing really to show over us, but they still think that they do. Yeah. And, and I can I can hack losing to those, you know, I don't, I don't mind it, but losing our best, you know, our, our best midfielder for not even just the season, but like, going well into next season as well is, is difficult to take and and uh, we can all move on from a loss, but it's going to be very hard to move on from that. And I think that is that's a real, real, real concern that we've lost Benton Clarice. I don't know. I don't know how we get over that, to be honest. I don't either, because and that is the thing about being a Tottenham fan is you you sort of have to pick yourself up after humiliating losses because we've had plenty, so we've had a lot of practice, but. And we we talk about it a lot, and I don't enjoy saying kind of Spursy or cursed or whatever. But this did this feels like a curse. And what everything that happened this week, like we won that game and we were thrilled about having a fully fit squad, and then literally like the next day, our captain is out injured for what like two months. And then after that, and then it was like dominoes, right? Then the next day it was Basuma out for three months. Then Cess, I mean, you could say, you know, we're not that worried about Cess, but it does leave us short of bodies. And he's out for what, how long? Again, like six to eight weeks. And then like the biggest blow of all is Bentoncourt. And you just think, I was kind of been sitting there just coming up with my own like weird crackpot theories about how this, this just feels like brutally unfair. And the only thing I can come up with is some, at some point last season, I feel like a Tottenham fan made a deal with the devil so that we could finish above Arsenal. And, and I'm I here think, to tell you, man, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth nah, it. No, it wasn't worth it. And I also <laughs> think, like, you know, these sort of mini deals that we have the universe, where the universe was like, because we had the same after Ajax, like, we had the most amazing result of Ajax, and then it all went tumbling wrong after that. And that's like the universe balancing itself out. And I feel like because we got, like, the perfect hurricane moment last week, yeah. we, we, couldn't have, we couldn't have written a better one. We were like, okay, you've had some joy. Here is where it goes wrong. And then we got that amazing result of Harry Kane. We got exactly what we wanted with him breaking the record goal and a winner against Man City. And then this is just the universe balancing out and saying, you know, we'll allow you to be happy for, for half a day. And then after that, we're going to crush you again. Um, and also properly crush us because, it, and it's almost like we're too okay with loss. And maybe this speaks to something about our club, who knows? But if you'd said to us, you know, you're going to lose to Leicester 1-0. We probably have been like, okay, fine, whatever. We've seen this before. But instead, you get we get humiliated and we lose one of our best players. Yeah, and I, I just feel like the Benton Kerr thing is a, a real concern because we've seen already this season what we're like without him. Mm-hmm. And like mo- In most injuries, we can kind of account for, unless they're Harry Kane or they're... Benton Club, essentially. Like yeah. th- those are the two players that you we could we can't really recover from. Um 
but having said that, I don't want to spend this whole podcast like moaning about stuff. So it might be one of those things where, you know, we've got two amazing young midfielders who weren't really getting much of a look in under Conte, who possibly, you know, we've been said on the past that they maybe should have um, got more minutes. And maybe this is just one of those things where, you know, Skip and Saar come in now, they get loads of minutes, they have a half a season under their belt and they really, really kick on because there was that, you know, the, there was that period around the, the Arsenal game for where Saar came in. He looked really, really good. He did, so yeah. I, and we were all maybe, super excited about him. Exactly. So maybe this is just one of those things where, you know, um, silver lining of it is that we get to see two really exciting players actually play. Um, because one of the things I know that we'll probably talk about later is I don't think Conte's been very good at managing our squad and rotating our squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could you could possibly argue that some of these injuries are a result of that. So this is kind of one of those things where sometimes when you get forced into doing something you weren't necessarily going to do, you, you see the upside of it. So hopefully... You know, Sar starts tomorrow and is amazing or something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I am going to try and get like squeeze some positives out of all of this. Um, and I am genuinely excited to see how those two do because they wouldn't really have got a look in otherwise because he just doesn't seem to to rotate anyone at all at the moment. No, it's weird, isn't it? And and I do want to talk about Sar and Skip in a bit as well because I definitely don't. You know, there's there's no point in getting too kind of deep in the misery of it because. There's no point in kind of piling it on ourselves, is there? Because Tottenham will do that for us. So we just, we need to find like little bits of joy or hope where we can. Um, But it is, it's weird to me, like how many players we've had suddenly out injured. And I can only, like something has gone wrong, I think. Like obviously at some level and we'll never, we'll probably never know what it is. Is it, you know, they're not really adhering to the fitness regime or the fitness regime's gone wrong, obviously, because our fitness coach died. So, or is it like the medical staff not paying enough attention to certain players and their needs? Do you know, like, it's it's unusual, I think, to have this level of injuries yeah, come and so suddenly. And I don't think it's one of those things where if you're looking at it scientifically, it's probably not down to luck. You know what I mean? No, it there's can't be, right? There's probably some kind of underlying thing. And I know a lot of, you know, Conte himself has done it a few times. Um put a lot of stick on our medical team but then i'm I, with I, them man honestly yeah there like, is some, there's definitely they're a shambles i'm not... sorry i'm sure they're nice and everything i mean we know they're nice because we saw them in all or nothing but like they're a disaster it's been do you remember last season when like oliver skip had like a, a hand what was alleged to be like a i think it was like a hamstring injury or something and we never saw him again for like a year yeah and, and i said i said we're not seeing him again and that's <laughs> no insight that... on my part i'm like I, I'm just, I just know this and I remember yeah. when that was quite a funny joke and then it actually transpired that we never actually, <laughs> we didn't. And we still haven't really seen like fully Oliver Skip back from then. So th- yeah. there, I, I do think there is definitely something to be analysed out of all of this. And, uh, you know, maybe you you could kind of attribute it to that like brutal preseason that they had where they were kind of all like throwing up in Korea. Like, I don't know. There, I, don't, I don't think it's an accident that we're, we're getting these injuries. Um, but having said that, I just, you know, if Benton Kerr was injured, and I, I don't think we can replace him even if he, you know, if we had the rest of the players available, you'd think, oh, that's not too bad because we've got Basuma to come in. But to lose them both at the same time, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's horrific. Like, and imagine now that Basuma would have like half a season to go, to go for it, you know, start almost every game. And then by the time... Yeah, to have that freedom, end, right? That he had maybe now, at Brighton to show who he could exactly. be. And it's just, again, it's just that kind of... The Tottenham kind of luck that we get sometimes, but the same applies to Sar and Skip. And mm-hmm. let's not let's not forget that Skip was one of our best players last season until he got yeah. injured. Um, so you know, hopefully we'll you know we'll be looking back on this time when we really got to see the the start of Sar and Skip, who are you know generally speaking two very very good young midfielders. So you know, hopefully sometimes when you you're forced to a hand, you have to play it. So let's see what happens. 
No, I totally agree. And I am, you know, and if it was under kind of different circumstances, maybe I would probably be more excited about it. So I think I do need to find that excitement about it again. It's just the sort of body blow, isn't it? And I think maybe that's just the one kind of tiny bit of luck we've had that we didn't send Sarah out on loan. Because yeah. imagine if we had yeah. done, we'd have nobody. Yeah, we'd be literally screwed. And um but you know, just going back to Benton Clark, I just there's there's things that he does that we just can't replace, mm. and he is like a magical, magical player. I think he's one. He's he's been one of the best players, not just for Tottenham this season. He's been, you could probably make a pretty good case that he's been one of the top three best midfielders in the whole league this season. Yeah, and um, you know, to, to whoever deputises is not. There's going to be some kind of drop off. Um, because we saw when he was injured just after the World Cup that you know we miss him so badly, mm-hmm. and then when he did come back and you know when he is firing he was probably the only player who can and it have any kind of grace from from the from the Leicester game at all um well, I was going to ask you that actually do you feel like anybody emerged from that game not with credit but at least without shame I actually don't other than Benson Kai I think it was my god I think it's one of those ones that was so <laughs> apocalyptically bad that mm. he, and I, I, I've seen this before um people saying that online like when Harry Kane has a bad game, you know something's wrong. Like it, even Kane was was not at the races yesterday and uh, um, on Saturday, sorry. And um, that's the concern for me. It wasn't like a bad, you know. There's a couple of bad players. It was a real sort of everyone was really, really bad. And as I know, we've been we've been at this point in time before. You know that only leads you to question about the manager, doesn't it? Like what is going on? And hopefully, it's one of those performances where we, you know, tomorrow night we have a great game against AC Milan and we. We look back on it as a blip, but another bad performance like that, and you know, all the questions are going to be on Antonio Conte. I think. Do you want to hear my like my other crackpot theory about this? Yes, yeah, because <laughs> because obviously they did really well um, when he was when he was out sick, recovering from surgery, and Stellini was in charge. And I, I think it might be one of those things where, you know, when you have like. Uh, just somebody that you want to impress so badly right and you just want to do the right thing by them and you want to perform for them and it just gets massively in your head and you can't do it and you end up fucking up like worse than you would have done if you just said I don't care about it and when and so when Stellini was in charge it was like oh this you know we're not as stressed out about this guy so they there's a bit more freedom and then as soon as Conte's come back because he's so intense it's actually like actively detrimental and they're all because they're just not you know as much as I'd love our team and I like you know and I love a lot of the players and I like a lot of the players like they're not you know they're not winners are they basically Um, you know they're just not and they know they're not and we can talk about that as well that sort of you know the the kind of lack of freshness in the squad but I feel like maybe they're just all now in their heads about it. Like he's a winner and we've got to live up to him and we we can't. And so they end up just collapsing, basically. Yeah, and I, I think this is a, a bigger issue with what, what's happening this season and everything around the whole situation is... I don't think it's like a case where the players have given up playing for Conte. I, I think yeah, actually, exactly. I, I think it might be the opposite of that, where they're trying, like they they want, you know. I don't, I don't, you know, from what you see and listen to the players talk about Conte and, um, you know, when we win and the, the sort of reaction that they give him, I don't think there's a, a world in which they've given up for him. No, I just they think love maybe it, man. That, 
I just think the world surrounding Conte this season and everything that's happened, which is, by the way, totally understandable. Like mm. human, the the life of Conte and the human side of things are much, much more important than any of the football stuff. And what he's been through has been horrific. And I just think it's too much. It's too much for a human to to to, to cope with. Like um, losing some of your friends, um, being away from your family, having a, a serious medical condition all at once has kind of clouded him, and he's not able to perform to his his best ability and that he probably is you know he does have this sort of cloud at the moment of like um or he probably doesn't want to be here or or, or at least he you know he can't give it his full um full energy like he was last season and I think that's transpiring to the players now I'm not saying that um it's it's a bad situation for us to be in isn't it because um you know it's it's obviously having an effect on our performance but you know I, I think basically what I'm saying is I think it's Conte's fault, but I don't blame him. If you know what I mean, I, just I know think exactly like, what you mean. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's too much for a human yeah. to have gone through what he's gone through and still be like managing a football team. Mm. Um, and I think maybe we both could have realized that earlier than what we're going to realize. Um, and I think because he obviously did so well last season, and because he's a, a brilliant manager, like we're perhaps kidding ourselves a little bit and just hoping that we kind of get get through to the end of the season. And really, it's probably too much for one human to be able to take, maybe. So, are you saying you think that we should part ways before the end of the season? I don't think I I I don't think we will do that. I don't think I just think it's one of those things where at, by the end of the season we will probably look back on the January. You know the whole operation time is maybe that's the time when we should have all just parted our ways. Um, I don't think we will do that, and I can see a case. You know, it's one of those things where we got so much to play for this season. Like we could go and win tomorrow night in Milan, and then go and beat uh, Sheffield United in the FA Cup, and and have a real shot at like two massive trophies. Mm. Um, so I can I can I think it'd be stupid to get rid of him, but it's one of those things. I think in hindsight, you know, maybe that that sort of January period where he was having an operation, and we were all sort of. Um, you know that there are all the questions about Conte. Maybe we all look back on that period, a time where we could have gambled with it. Um, I just think maybe in himself, he might be kidding himself, thinking that why yeah. is you know why is he doing this? Like what is he doing? Because we've got everything to gain as a football club. Like we're still in the Champions League. Um, we're still in the effort, well within the rights of the FA Cup. We're still in the top four. You know, on a, on a personal level, as a human like level, I think maybe he should just be should have just been like, Do you know what. I'm gonna call it a day here. I'm yeah, it's too much. Like I've li- like this club has literally made me ill. Yeah, and I think we're maybe probably I should both... just not be here. <laughs> yeah, and I think just maybe <laughs> on both sides of the thing, we're both a bit too proud to maybe admit that it's not right. It's really not right at the moment. And I, like I said, I don't blame him because I I think there's just too much for for anyone to be able to take. But I just think um, I think both sides are probably too proud to admit that what is happening at the moment is not a, a happy union. This feels very appropriate to be having this conversation just before Valentine's Day, doesn't it? We're just like exactly. we're not we're not in a good relationship, man. And like it's a bit like Antonio, like the rest of us cannot leave. So, yeah, so if you But you can. So be if free. You're in, yeah, so don't, you know, if you're in a relationship tomorrow where you're having second thoughts, maybe you've just had your gallbladder removed as well. Just don't don't buy the flowers tomorrow. Don't go on that date tomorrow. Just just sack it all off because it's not it's not gonna end well. If you're with someone who is literally making you ill, then it's not it's not the best. It's just not the best, guys. Um, the the one thing I think we can I know exactly what you mean. I feel the same way. Like it, it is his fault, but I don't blame him. One thing that is probably true that I 
have sort of resisted and argued and sort of not really argue with people about but have sort of ignored it when it's come out is the like tactical inflexibility which I thought was going to be less of a problem once we got Poro but he didn't I mean obviously it's just a debut it's a pretty it's a horrific debut isn't it it's one to forget that's for sure but it seems that does seem like now that does seem weird to me really I don't I think, really I don't really I get think, it to be honest anymore I'm sort of no, I'm, just, I'm just like I, I don't really understand why you're sticking with this it just seems a bit weird and I think what really sort of struck at home for me is when you're, you're three one down at half time you've got mm. to change then like and again I know we spoke about this earlier in, in the day in the group chat like Richarlison it's just not playing enough like you can point he's to not playing at all man he's not playing at all he's had about he's three a, minutes He's Brazil's number nine. If you're three one down in the game, you've got Brazil's number nine on the bench. You have to just sometimes you just got to go right. And you know what? I'm just going to gamble. But I'll play with two strikers up front or something. You have to change something. Like I think the concern for me is when we're two. For the, as long as I can remember, we've never been two goals down at halftime under Conte. I, probably I'm wrong in that statement, but I can't. I certainly can't remember any times when that's been true. No, never. Um, and then you to not bring on Richarlison then is is worrying. But then not only that, he didn't bring him on them. I think don't think he made any changes to like part other than the Bentancur one to like the seventy fifth, eightieth minute. It's like he's very very stubborn in in his in his team selection. And it's not like you know we've got no one on the bench. We've got we've actually got some decent players on the bench. We've got Dan Juma. We've got Richarlison. You know we've got Saar. We've got players that can come on and change things. Yeah, our um, forward line is actually decent. Yeah, right, right now I'm I'm oh my god I'm just like touch words because obviously tomorrow we'll hear the news that one of them is broken but as things stand the forward line is is fit and we have you know we we've never had a player like Richarlison on the bench for Tottenham we've never yeah. ever ever had a striker that good you know Brazil's number nine is on our bench but he just doesn't play and when he does come on he's sort of shunted off on the wing or something like that and obviously I'm not saying you should you should bring Harry Kane off from replacement for Richarlison because no one in their right mind would do that but just play him up take front Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah take Son off or, a bit more. yeah Again, Son had one of those Leicester games where he is very poor again, um, and he had a he had a pretty decent game against Man City. Obviously, he was very good in the FA Cup. Um, but if it's not working, you can change it now. There is no excuses not to change it because the players are there. And I do question whether these injuries are down to the fact that you know he hasn't rotated his squad enough. And um, I just you know that's my biggest gripe against Conte is that. I don't think he's he's got the rotation right at all this season because it was again it was you know when we had that Palace game we looked really good and like Brian Hill, Saar both played they're both fantastic um, in that game and then they then they never really have played again hardly at all um, yeah I just I worry that he's too stubborn in his tactics at the moment I worry that he's too too um, resistant to change things and I think it's costing us um, but the biggest worry for me is that when you're three one down in a, in a Premier League game and you don't change it then. Yeah, that's 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 the moment. That points to me that there's something wrong. Yeah, but conversely, when he does rotate, it's actually like it's mental. I do, you know, I Tanganga, man, like I I want to, you know, lift him up and and cherish him. You know, he's a local Tottenham lad and everything, and I want him to do well, but that's just an act of self-harm starting him, I think. Yeah, it's funny because if we go back into to the the team selection, um, I think you know everyone was excited about Poro, and that was certainly a good rotation. I think no no fan would have no fan was annoyed at that at that at that pick. Um, and when as soon as Romero got injured, everyone you know everyone just thought Sanchez comes in. That's just what yeah. happened. 
But Sanchez, who had been captain as well yeah. and he for the Preston in, game. You remember last season when he came in when Romero was injured? He was he was yeah. brilliant. And we kept those like three or four clean sheets in a row when he was playing. And I was I'm I'm a little bit perplexed as to why he didn't start over Tanganga, who you know, ta- we, you know, we love the character of Tanganga, but Sanchez is more experienced. He's mm-hmm. probably the probably the better player. Um that was a com- really confusing one. It, it did cost us quite badly because Tanganga just does not look at home in in the middle of a Premier League defence. I think his future, if any future, sort of is going to lie at right back where he played at the beginning of last season under Nuno, um, because he just doesn't. He, I'm sorry, but he just doesn't have it as a centre back in the Premier League. And it's not to say that Sanchez is leagues above because you know he, he probably isn't. But I was just really surprised at that call. I I really was. Did not see it. I don't think anyone really saw it coming. And um, it didn't pay off either. So it, I think there's one thing as a manager to make brave calls like that. But when they don't pay off, then you, you're you the one that's sort of going to bear the brunt of the responsibility of that. And I think that's happened. I mean, I think Tanganga has also, he's, he did start another league game, didn't he? But I've got a feeling that he then was subbed off. Yeah. Am I, I, can't am I wrong I, about I, that? I, I feel I, like that I'm, happened. Like it was I'm obviously sure a mistake in that game. I'm sure we've definitely seen him recently. I can't remember exactly mm. what game it was. But, but I think he's been subbed off in that in those game in mm. that game because it was not working. And I'm I'm sure I'll discover I'm completely wrong. But that's my memory. So it just seems I don't know. I don't think Conte's you know, we've had the whole kind of conversations about Spence and and I don't think he would, you know, harm the team to that extent. But then he makes calls like that and I just think I don't I don't know what you're doing. I don't I just you're so rigid in some ways and so mental in others. I mean, he's just a human being, I guess. I think just the, I suppose the bigger problem, isn't it, is that our squad is just, it's just really unfortunate. I think that we've been hit with injuries in the middle of what is quite a slow rebuild, basically. Yeah. And like, like we were saying, like, the 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 players that are injured, are, it's it's terrible sort of luck for those because Basuma now have a great run in the team. Like Sessegnon is, you know, we've had plenty of talk on this podcast whether he's good enough or not, but he would be he would be playing games because we mm-hmm. we cannot. And I, you know, that's another question itself. What on earth we're going to do? We can't play Perisic every single game for the rest of the season. So, you know, God knows what we're going to do at left wing back now. But Sessegnon will get plenty of minutes. These players that are injured, like obviously Hugo plays every game anyway. These players that are injured are are huge players for us. And that's yeah. what. And it's just it's it's going to have some kind of an effect. And um, so you yeah. have you have to think that is mismanagement at some level because it is those players. It's not it's not Tanganga and it's not Sanchez. It is the players that we desperately need to play all the time. Yeah, and like you know, I just yeah. You know, my, my biggest worry is Ben Sinclair is, is is he has everything to us, isn't he? And that's mm. the, the one that's going to be really really painful. We're just going to have to adjust, aren't we? We're going to have to just say. I mean, to me, I mean, I think the hardest thing almost is not even what it means for our season or like or anything we're going to do. It's just he's such a lovely player to watch, isn't he? He brings so much joy. That he is. He's so it's joyous. Just so, and I what think... do we want from football, man? Especially as Tottenham fans, we want joy and beauty and grace, and you know, then that's what he gives us. And then we're just going to have to do without that. It's depressing. And listen, silver lining is at least we're not going to lose him in the summer. So <laughs> that's very that's true. One very true. Having a possibly <laughs> career-affecting injury is that we can't lose him. So he's trapped with us for at least another nine months. Bad luck, Rodrigo, but we really, really love you. So you have, and yeah, again, you know, we love you. You can't leave us. 
healthy relationships all over the place. So let's talk, let's talk about Skip and Sarah, actually. Let's try to be positive. I'll put this to Ollie earlier. And I was like, okay, number first question, do you think our season's over? And he said, no. And I laughed at him. And then I said, the second question is, do you really, do you think Skip can do it? And he said, yeah, it was how I laughed at him again. But he said to me, you know, he did remind me of the things that you've reminded me of, is that he was one of our best players last season before he got injured. You know, this is a guy he did, he started in the league when he was, he what, like broke through into Pochettino's team when he was, what, 17? He's, there is yeah. something there, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think the thing with Skip is, I think I'm trying to remember rightly, under Nuno, he was pretty brilliant um, mm-hmm. during that period. And then I can't, my memory is a bit hazy of the, the, the beginning of the Conte era, but I'm pretty sure that Conte played him a lot and then he got injured. I think that's pretty much right. And um, he he's one of those players that maybe it's just been a bit in his head, but since the injury, he's been thinking, right, they've got this new guy now, Ben Tanker. I, 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 I can't replace him. He's, he's, he's a lot better than me. But So maybe the sort of thing of, you know, being obviously the guy now that he's going to be, not only uh, you know one of our squad players, he is going to have a lot of first team responsibility, and that sort of first team responsibility under Nuno and Conte at the beginning is where he really, really thrived. So I'm thinking maybe in this situation where he's sort of thrown into it and is now unquestionably a first team player for us, um, we might see the skip that we saw before then because I think maybe it's been in his head a little bit too much trying to compete with someone who is one of the best midfielders in the world, um, and maybe he's found that difficult because. You know, as soon as Benton Kerr came in, him and Hoybier have just been, they've never been dropped when they're both fit. They, they never have been and they very rarely will be. Um, so maybe this kind of situation is a bit of freedom. That's not even just like in terms of minutes, but psychologically a bit of freedom to say, like, I'm the guy again now. and I've got to use this opportunity to to show everyone how good I am. And I think with him and Saar, we've genuinely got two of the best young midfielders in the in the league. So I'm hoping that they show it again. I mean, I definitely feel like that about Saab, just probably because I've seen him be good more recently. I think Skip has had a few sort of minutes to forget, hasn't he, when he's come back on? But maybe that is just kind of finding his feet I again, think we really. Saw some glimpses against Preston, didn't we? But mm. in terms of the in terms of the Premier League, he hasn't really had a, a decent game for a while. So I think this is a big, big chance for him. I, I don't actually know. I guess tomorrow... He's got to play both of them, hasn't he? Because Hoybier not Hoybier either, so I think they're, they're both going to be. In what there, did Hoybier get booked for? Was it just like a? I, I mean, I feel, I feel like it was necessary. I don't feel like he would have done something stupid. It was against Marseille, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was right at the end of the game, if I remember right as well. So, but um, yeah, can't really remember. But I, I'm I'm sure it was right. Just at the, I'm sure it was in injury time just before he scored. So, mm. um, so I remember. I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but um. It's just funny, isn't it? We have Basuma, Hoybier, and Benzakar, and none of them can play in our biggest game of the season. It's mad. It's, I mean, it's extremely Tottenham, isn't it? Let's be honest. But you know, we've dealt with, we've you know, we've lived through the Winkoko period, so we can handle. Yeah, and I, to well, be if you if you remember that Champions League one, we literally had no midfielders at all. Like we'd sold yeah. Dembele, and Wanyama was injured pretty much the whole of that season. So we had literally two midfielders, which is what we've left with at the moment. So we've done it before. We can do it again. Then to be honest, it's maybe it's a, you know, it's it's an opportunity for the players. It's an opportunity for Conte, and it's an opportunity for us as fans. Right, we don't have any choice but other than to embrace Oliver Skip and Saar. So we just have. I mean, I think everyone's pretty ready to embrace Saar because we're pretty excited about him, right? Yeah, so definitely. I think that's not going to be a trouble. It might, it might be one of those things where you sort of look look back on the moment when he 
really grew into his Tottenham mm-hmm. career. And again, sometimes, you know, it happened with Gareth Bale. The same thing happened with Gareth Bale. Yeah, it's you know, true, he, he only sort of came into the team through pretty much an injury, I believe, wasn't it? And he was sort of yeah. had that curse at the beginning. So sometimes it is what you need to, to for these youngsters to break through is like a, a bit of luck here and there. And then they come in the team and then they don't look back. So I think, you know, we could be at the start of a very special career for someone who, by all accounts, is one of the best best young midfielders in the league. Okay, I'm going to, do you know what, just as ever, I'm going to choose to believe this because really, what other option do we have? So we'll think, so tomorrow night is going to be Skip and Sar in midfield. I guess Romero's back at least. Yep. So that's fine. Then... Do we, I'm yeah, guessing do we, he's going to play Royal. I, I imagine he's going to play Royal. I right? would have thought so. Yeah. And then obviously Perisic will definitely play, Force mm-hmm. will definitely play. Um, I have, I've pretty, I've believe that Longley is going to play tomorrow night as well. I've just got a feeling. I think. I think you're right. He likes him for the Champions League games. Yeah, he does. And then obviously the front three will pick itself. But um, and you, you look at that team. You know the doom and gloom that we're all feeling at the moment because of the the painful Benton loss. There is enough there to beat AC Milan. There really is. Like we've got the best front. We've got one of the best front threes in Europe. Um, and I just think maybe. They just need a bit of a kick up the arse. They need like a, a catalyst somewhere that's going to spark something for the rest of the season. Mm. Um, and I think if you remember going back to last season, we lost at exactly this point in the season, we lost to Burnley and the world was mm-hmm. on fire and everyone was saying Conte's <laughs> going to leave and all this, this and this. And we came We're back from We're always setting yeah. the world on fire, man. Yeah, we just exactly. like, we can't help ourselves. It's just exactly. so, so much. I'm just like, I know it's just that Conte meme, isn't it? Always just one regular day, one regular day. All I and ask came, will never happen. Exactly. And we came back from that. So there's no reason why we can't do it again. Do you feel, okay, so do you feel, you don't feel that our season's over? I don't feel that it's over at the moment, but I just like feel like losing Benton Kerr is, is a hammer blow for any side. Like I, I was I was very optimistic, to be honest, after that Man City game about finishing the top four. Not yeah, because same. of particularly how good that we are, because... I really, I'm really not fussed with Newcastle. I think they're like they pretty much draw every single game, and they're, they're this is it. Good. I thought we could sneak it just because yeah, it was just the amount of well. goals that we've been scoring. I thought and if Chelsea, we could get our act together a little bit in defence, we'd be okay. Exactly, but you know, I think now it's sort of like a fifty-fifty whether we're even going to even give a good account of the rest of the season. But yeah. I'm not giving up yet. I'm not giving up. You were only two points off top four. Um, we've still got the best front three in the one of the best front threes in the league, if not the best. Um, and they haven't really been firing together as a unit all season. If they can sort themselves out and we can sort ourselves out, we'll be all right. So only Milan away and then uh, West Ham at home to come. That's uh, They they definitely, match, yeah. you know, West Ham will definitely not be up for that. I don't really want to think too far ahead, to be honest to you. No. And then after that, it's only Chelsea. So Exactly. So <laughs> what's, the, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> so... Tomorrow, as we've said, is Valentine's Day. Billy, do you feel like it's going to be a happy one for Spurs fans? Right. It is Valentine's Day and we have one true love in life and that is Harry Kane. And I do think like he has the ability to turn this whole season around on his own and just save us from the mire, as he always does. He always ends up doing it, dragging us out of hell into heaven. So I do believe that Harry Kane is going to turn up tomorrow and just be like one of those games where he's like, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And he'll just, he'll take us over the line. So I just want to dedicate Valentine's Day to my true love in life, Harry Kane. Um, please save us. Because if you don't, Harry, 
They are desperately, desperately screwed. <laughs> so I thought you were going to say, if you don't, Harry, then I won't love you anymore. And it was just like, it doesn't matter. If you don't, Harry, we'll still, we'll still love you forever and ever and ever. Um, I've, okay, all right, I'm going to go with that because why not, man? We've done men- more mental things in the Champions League than this, right? Yeah, and I just so. feel like the, the, all none of the right. So my when we're talking about deals of the universe, and I'm going to touch every word item that I have in my whole <laughs> house. When we're talking about deals of the universe, like Harry Kane has not been injured for over two seasons now, almost. I think it's it's looking like he's going to make two full seasons without being injured, and like. Obviously, as depressing as it is, a lot of our team is injured. I, I don't, you know, I can. I, if anyone's not going to be injured, it's going to be Harry Kane. That's what we want. So maybe we have to trade pretty much everyone else being injured to keep Harry Kane fit. And I'll gladly make that trade. So he is the yeah, one. Yeah, agreed. Um, so if if the the price to pay of Harry of having like eleven or ten youth players and Harry Kane to keep Harry Kane fit, then let's just do it because that's all we need in life is just Harry Kane. Yeah. And if he gets injured, then we know definitively there is no God. No, there is no God and we are all going to hell. And um, it's the end of the world. But at least we got that goal against Man City. That's it. We we had our perfect moment, but just just another one. We're really greedy, actually, aren't we? Just, Just another one, just another one. And West Ham are not as hilariously shit as I wanted them to be. And they'll be super up for it and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and to be honest, I would trade like I don't care. Like if we if we beat Milan, I'll trade like another deal with the universe. I don't really it doesn't it doesn't really hurt me to lose to West Ham. And no, I, I, just, I just don't care. I wonder if it's gonna get to that point. And I, I know it sounds crazy to say this at like two points off top four, but I just wonder if it's gonna get to that point where everyone's gonna be like, Do you know what? I don't actually care about the league anymore. Mm. Is there's only so much of like finishing the top four that uh, you know the, in the endless finishing top four finishing the top four. I I would just love to throw a caution at the win and just go right. Let's go all out for the FA Cup. Let's go I all agree, out. Man. Yeah, because we now that we have such a limited squad, we're going to have we can't. We've got to make choices. Out. Yeah, we have to make choices. Mm-hmm. And if the effort winning the FA Cup this season would be everything for me, because then Conte can leave as a trophy winner. Harry Kane gets his trophy at Tottenham. You know, we can sort of draw a line under all of this, the, the sort of the whole Conte era situation, and yeah. just everyone ends happy if the, if we do that. So I think it's gonna, it's starting to get to a point where because the reality is like we, if we have Benzema and Basuma and Loris and all those players fit, you could probably think we can finish top four and win the FA Cup. It's going to be very difficult to do both and make a run in the Champions League as well. It's going to be very yeah, difficult. Yeah, it's impossible, do... really. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. So I, if we have to lose to West Ham and beat Man- Manana, I don't really care. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I just, it's time I'm, to commit. Relationship it, talk again. It is. It's time to commit to the cups. And, I, and Arsenal are proof. Yeah. If you miss out on the top four, it's not the end of the world. It it's really is not. It doesn't matter. It is, yeah. And I think we're sort of conditioned as Tottenham fans to think the top four is everything to us. But it, it actually doesn't matter. If we yeah. don't get that this year, you know, we were in the Champions League this year. And is it is it any better than it was last season when we won? And it's not really, is it? Our league form has got worse. So, you know, I just want a trophy. <laughs> I just I just want a trophy. Yeah. Same. Um, a team that sadly is probably not going to be winning a trophy anytime soon is uh, Tottenham women. That was a really gloomy introduction to them. And I, I wish it wasn't. Um, and I do have some positive feelings from this weekend. They played Manchester United at the stadium and they lost 2-1, which was fair and also 
not for, well it was fair but I also don't feel like a draw I predicted a one-all draw and I actually think that would have been a reasonable result and very nearly happened Billy did you watch any of it uh, I did not watch it but I was following along online mm-hmm. um and I was I was I remember you saying during as it happened that um didn't we score and then concede from an own goal almost immediately <laughs> literally immediately so the first half was pretty close actually and we did it we did a lot of the stuff that I felt we didn't do against Chelsea so we were more aggressive and we got much higher to the United players they did have some chances some quite scary moments but also so did we um so it was nil nil um going in at half time and I felt pretty positive actually and then um they scored and that was quite frustrating but then not that long after Beth England scored a spectacular solo goal. So it was right. So this was actually my first time sitting in the South Stands, which was absolutely brilliant. And I wish that's where I could sit all the time. I absolutely loved it. Um, So she scored. She was right in front of us as she scored. And it was just amazing. She just, she picked the ball up like in our half and ran with it. And then was just like, I think I'm just going to do this all by myself. You could sort of see, I think, I basically, I shouted, you're just going to have to do this by yourself. And I like to think she heard me because two seconds later, the ball was in the back of the net. Um, Spectacular, spectacular goal. And we all went wild. And then straight from the restart, we conceded an own goal. And it's just so maddening. Like, I don't even feel like I'd stop celebrating. So I don't really, I haven't dared to watch it back because it'll just make me too annoyed. Um, just such a fucking maddening Tottenham kind of moment and so unnecessary. And then we couldn't, we just couldn't really get back into it in ways that I just don't, I don't feel were necessary. Actually, I feel like we we could have, we had a few chances and we actually, I think we could have equalised had we sort of gone for it a bit more, but we seem to kind of lose our heads a little bit, even though Ella Toon like hilariously got sent off on like 82 minutes for kicking Beth England in the face. Um, and even then, we just didn't we didn't press home our advantage at all. So I'm a bit I am a bit worried now. It's really it's really kind of upsetting in a way because it was a much better performance. Um, but I am worried now because that's seven league losses in a row, which is pretty bad. And Leicester, who are the bottom team, have bought a really good keeper and they've kept like two clean sheets in a row and are possibly going to drag themselves up out of the kind of relegation mire. And I don't really like I don't really know how how we're gonna like win a game, to be honest. Yeah, because so we get you... we get really close and I don't like we just like Beth England is scoring like a goal a game, but it's like she can't do it all by herself. She, I don't. I don't know if she's going to be able to save us. She's quite. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting following it from like an online perspective, because I think for, you know, for my, um, from, from what I gather anyway, like the, the 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 support for the women's online is a lot less knee jerk than the support for the men's. You know, like as you get when you have for the, sure, sort of, yeah, the masses of Twitter um, following the men's team. And sort of. Yeah. The, Ironically, you know, the, it's not hysterical. <laughs> the, the, yeah, everything horrific that comes with that. But I've I've started to see some like you know very level headed people who I'm sure are upset about saying it, um, saying that you know the, the time is up for for Skinner. So where do you sort of you you sort of stand on that? And do you do you think it's just one of those things where we have to change the manager now because this is you know seven losses in a row? Um, or do you think you, you know we can afford to give more time and just 
I get everyone get behind her. What do you reckon? I don't know if it's now, um, it, but I do get the feeling that she might have taken us as far as she can go, because it's not because we are playing better, but and we have and we have some excellent players like you know, Man United are in a, uh, they're top of the league, aren't they? So they're very good. So, yeah, exactly. They're top of the league. We, had, um, we just had Chelsea, Chelsea, and Man United in the last two games. Exactly. So it is, yeah. you know, it's really tough. But the problem is, we lost loads of games that we should have won or at least drawn. Um, and we've got, you, you know, there's some um, things to be very excited about. You, like Ash Neville again was just absolutely brilliant. I swear to God, she covered like three positions and did it all like exceptionally. She's just, she's just superb. And I'm just, I'm so mad that she has not even had like one single solitary England call up. It's a disgrace. But I think what I feel now watching Spurs women is I don't I don't feel like we've got an identity like I don't know how we it doesn't feel like we've got a style of play so I think what her sort of success was built on was kind of defensive solidity and a kind of solid midfield and that's kind of gone a little bit but we don't really press either like when we do press it's quite successful but there doesn't seem to be a sort of attacking plan like we've got some good attacking players now but it doesn't really feel like we're kind of committing to that so I think she's a good coach but maybe I I think it's sort of it's got to that level now where I think we have to I I hate saying it and I you know I don't I don't like saying it about the men's team but I think you hit a certain point and it's time to try to find someone who will take us to the next level because it's also the substitutions that she made so again I don't I don't want to call out like I don't want to get on anybody's back because yeah. you know especially with the levels of support in the women's game it, it is a bit more personal but somebody like Rosella Ian and I know she has quite a lot of she divides opinion I think amongst the fan base but I, I can't watch her anymore she just doesn't do anything she's just she gives the ball away constantly I think against Chelsea she came on and you know I saw her do two things and one of them was give the ball away and the other was run the ball out of play and it's and it's it she just doesn't contribute at all I don't think and it's and I don't understand why Rianne brought her on instead of somebody like Nikola Karczewska who had come on against Chelsea and had immediately scored a goal it just seems so the sort of substitutions are really baffling and I think it's that sort of thing. Again, possibly some players have been around for too long as well. And if we want to go to the next level or even kind of stop ourselves being dragged backwards, which I think is the real worry now, we have to kind of shake it up a bit. But again, that's, you know, that's dependent, I think, on the club overall committing more to the women. And you could really see it. It was like... Yes, like Sunday was a lovely day, man. Like I went with Ollie and we took our kids and they had a great time. And, you know, I said I said to you that like the cutest thing my youngest said to me and I said, what was your favourite thing about today? And she said, when the girl kicked the ball in the basket, like so cute. Um, and it was a nice atmosphere in lots of ways. Um, really decent turnout, I thought. Um, although there were loads of United fans everywhere. And we're like, when they scored, they were just like there was cheering all around me and I just thought this is I know you can't police the you know home and away ends of the women's game the same as you can in the men's but it was like a very uncomfortable and upsetting experience in in that way um 
and they had this lovely thing going on outside like a, like they had a bus like that was sponsored by Nike and the kids could go and like play a little bit of football and dance and get their face painted and their hair braided and all of that so they're trying to make it you know they're trying to really bring people in but then so they do that and then there's but then there's basic stuff like and I'm so like honestly in my notes for this podcast I've literally written triggered by shirts because you walk past the Spurs shop and it was just all the men's shirts there's just nothing. You, there's nothing like no Neville, no England, but like already like a hundred like Pedro Porro shirts. And just after after what the men's team did on Saturday, I was so triggered by it. I was like, get these, you know. This is like a coward's eleven, as far you know, as far as I was concerned. So it's just things like that. I think it all feels it's not enough, basically. And I think that's where we are with the women. There's just not they've done brilliantly. They got lucky with Ash Neville. They did really well to get Beth England. We got a few other good players. There's some, I think, like Drew Spence had a sort of off day. I think she she gets herself into great positions and she can play some brilliant passes, but she gets caught in possession a lot. And then some of her passes are quite flimsy as well. So I don't, like, again, I don't know if she's kind of the one either. So I just, I think... It just now it just again, it just comes down to like how serious is the club about trying to like push the women to the next level. And I think I would be so disappointed if they if they didn't take this opportunity. And I think it's getting quite critical now, actually, because I think we will be dragged into a relegation battle, which is a real, real shame. Um, And the other thing is, is that I think now it's just. I'd, I'd really, I would, I've, I've banged this drum for ages and I'm, and I know that other people have different arguments about kind of building up attendance and stuff, but I would, I just think they should just play at the stadium every week. And I don't really care if it's only a couple of hundred people. I just think, let them play on a proper pitch, let them play at home. We don't have another stadium that's ours like Chelsea do or City do. So just let them play at our home stadium and don't be embarrassed about turnout. I think just let the professionals play on a you know a proper pitch. So yeah, because these things are never really going to grow unless you you allow them to. It's sort of like yeah, but you have to push that... them as well. You can't exactly. just say, "Oh, Sometimes... show us what you've got." Just push them. Yeah, exactly. And you know the the sort of what you don't want it to be is like a thing they sort of wheel out every now and then as like a token gesture. Like, exactly. You can play at the, exactly. You can, play at, you can play at the stadium a couple of times a year, and then it doesn't really. You know, it's it's kind of just like it's more of a gesture than anything else rather mm-hmm. than a sort of a commitment isn't it and we exactly and we need a commitment we, again relationship exactly. talk bill commitment yes that is what exactly. we want that's Valentine's all we Day. ask <laughs> be more committed stop yeah. taking us out on on dates and buy a ring tottenham exactly <laughs> tottenham come on man and um I mean, that's endemic in the women's game as well, I think. Like, you see it, the fact that you can't watch all the WSL games on BBC or Sky. Like, some of it you have to watch on the shitty FA player. It's like, no, you have to, you know, you just have to push it. You just, why are the FA not making a proper deal? I don't understand. So, it's not it's not really Tottenham's fault in that way because that sort of lazy kind of half assed stuff is around too much. But I want us... To take the lead you know i'd like us to you know blaze a bit of a trail rather than just going yeah, oh, the... to wait exactly lead, lead from, the, from front. the front don't be afraid man so but on a positive note like my god it was a fucking thrill to watch a beth england 
like stunner of a goal in front of me. She's she's so good. I love her so much. I love her so much. She does everything I want her to do. And Ash Neville again was just unbelievably good. She's properly like they're they're both properly elite. And if nothing else, I feel like thrilled that I could see them in the flesh. So just to end on a positive, that's that was that was good enough for now. But again, at Tottenham, I don't want us to settle. We can't settle. We want commitment and we want to aim high. Speaking of aiming high, like my smooth transition there, Billy, do we need to talk about The Last of Us? Now we're going to, oh, we'll, we'll move oh, away now yeah, and straight yeah. into culture. Yeah. So, oh man, I, obviously I'm not going to spoil anything for people that have not seen episode five, but you know, it's one of those things that The Last of Us were like, Episode three of Last of Us was an amazing episode. And it had like all these shouts where people were saying it's one of the best episodes of anything of all time and all this. There's a lot of discourse about when it came out, like what's the best ever episode of TV and all this kind of stuff. And then like two episodes later, they go and they go and like surpass it, I think. I think that last that I watched that last night and ah, oh, I'm still not over it fully. And I'm I actually I I sent in I sent a tweet just there's a there's a massive set piece. I won't spoil anything. There's a massive set piece um, in the middle of it. And after that, I tweeted, oh, the last episode five is amazing. And then the ending, I, I hadn't even seen the ending of the episode yet. And that is just goes up another level again. And um, I'm not over that episode at all. I just thought it was an amazing, amazing episode of TV. It was it was brilliant sort of filmmaking, I guess. And I, the set piece was properly mind-blowing. I did have an argument with Ollie about it where he called me bourgeois and I called him a dickhead. Um, just such is the romance in our household. Because while I do like it, what I've realized about it, and I think this is just this is no shade on the show, this is just the kind of show that it is, is that because it's very like every episode is quite self-contained, isn't it? Just because of the nature of it and it kind of having been a video game, you're kind of moving through the levels, I guess. So every episode you just kind of meet new characters and then we move on. And I don't I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. I, find, I actually, I find that quite hard and quite frustrating because yeah, I, I the, the telly that I like is the one where you have a, you have a bunch of characters and shit happens to them and I don't even need that much plot but I don't you know I just I like a lot of character work you know and I find it hard that we meet people and then we move on we meet people and then we move on that's quite it's not that it's not brilliantly done um and it works because I think the people that they bring in every episode are brilliant so if you don't have a lot of time you're going to get Anna Torf, you're going to get Nick Offerman, you're going to get Melanie Linsky, and they can do in one episode what it takes other actors, you know, a whole season to do. So that, so it kind of works, but I find it quite tough going actually in that respect. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting for me because I've, ne- I've never played the game, so I'm, I'm mm. coming out completely fresh. Um, and, but you're so right, you, you do kind of feel like the it's very video game, isn't it? Like it's very mm. like. We're going to get here. We're going to go from here to here. You're going to meet these people on the way and then you're going to go to another place and you're going to go meet these people here and here and go to another place. Um, I, I just kind of I saw that coming from from like all from what, everything that I know about it. It's just always Joel and Ellie. Like I don't, it, it doesn't seem like one of those things that they sort of like pick up a, side, a couple of side people and take them on a mission with them. Yeah. You know, what, what kind of happened with The Walking Dead when The Walking Dead first came along, they sort of, the groups kind of like 
grew and then you got counter groups and bigger, bigger groups getting bigger and bigger and people coming and going for seasons and rather than episodes but um i think the difficulty for me about this whole thing is like you just get so attached to these characters and then they're you know the, the next episode they're not in it or they've, they've moved somewhere else or something happened or something like that so but i just think they do such a good job of like giving you an amazing backstory to these characters in just one episode that i think the writing of it is amazing yeah, they do. What with with what they have, they're they're doing brilliantly. And in a way, to be honest, like I find it. I don't know if this is sort of a worry, and I think maybe, I don't know. This was possibly the point where the Ollie said I was bourgeois because I was like, oh, it because because you know that you're going to lose people along the way, right? So you sort of end up. It's not. It's kind of not as stressful as watching another show where you're with characters for a whole season or two, and then. You know, you didn't watch Game of Thrones, but that happened a lot where you would be very attached to a character for quite a long time. And then all of a sudden they were kind of ripped from you and it was really devastating. So it's a kind of, so it's sort of more relaxing in a way because you just know you kind of you're just like, well, that's how we're doing. But then is it sort of a bit blank? Is that really unfair? Yeah, sort of emotionally think- not. It's very. I think what you said at the beginning is very. It's very video game, isn't it? It's mm. like you meet this person, you use them to do something, you advance to the next place, and then you're gone. Um, it's you can sort of feel the video game. It's it's not really like anything that I've ever seen before in that respect mm. because I'm you know, pretty much all kind of video game adaptations are, are pretty poor generally. But this is the first one that's been any good that I remember. And what it kind of reminds me of is like the Walking Dead when the Walking Dead was really really good. Yeah, I never watched like, it, man. Because so... I don't really like this is sort of weird. I'm watching a show where like loads of the aspects of it I don't really like, but so I don't really care about zombies. But somehow it's all working for me. Because when the Walking Dead first came, it was amazing. And then like it just went on. I was speaking to Ollie about it yesterday actually that it, the Walking Dead only finished in November. Like it was it went on for twelve years of like twelve years. It, That's it like longer 12... than ER, I think. Exactly, and like it just got so bad by the end. But I gave up like um, I gave up well before that. And it just, this reminds me of like The Walking Dead, where it's like so bleak and so like unrewarding and unrelenting that you kind of just sort of have to sort of you have to be in the right mindset for it. But yeah, so you slightly far, have like, to check out in a weird way, don't you? But maybe that's good. Yeah. I mean, we're too we're way too invested in other things. It's probably good for us, actually. Exactly. It's a bit like supporting Tottenham. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. You just have yeah. to sort of drag yourself along for the ride. <laughs> Fuck here! Oh, like, the next stage. Here we are again. Yeah. Um. But I am. Yeah. It is brilliant. It is brilliantly done, and I'm never sorry to look at um Pedro Pascal. Oh, he That's is. He is just so fucking good as well. Like, I don't know. If, so I was watching. Um. I think it, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Certainly since he's been doing the Last of Us, where he he does a monologue for SNL. I think he hosted SNL, and that monologue is amazing because he talks about like his um upbringing in Chile um, and he starts speaking Spanish during it and I'm like oh I, I just love him <laughs> like, that guy man if you that guy has been in now that's a Valentine he's been in Star Wars he's been in Game of Thrones he's been in The Last of Us he's been like he is just Mr. like franchise isn't he like he's got to be like the biggest footprint of any actor going because he's just been in everything like that guy can just he is but also like, I love someone on Twitter said he's in like all of these franchises but like in each of them he uses he's got like two modes and it's either just kind of sexy dude or like hot responsible dad 
So obviously in Game of Thrones, he was, you know, sexy rascal. And then in Mandalorian and and this, he's like hot, responsible dad. And I really obviously enjoy that energy. And I think I, I think that that's coming really soon, isn't it? Mandalorian, that's back very, very soon. Yes. So I think we're going to lose him in this pretty much as soon as this finishes, like Mandalorian's back. So it's definitely Pedro season at the moment. It is. And I'm, and I'm more than thrilled. And then, of course, I saw Melanie Linsky for a bit and just shout out for Yellow Jackets fans. Season two is coming in March. So I'll be talking about that quite a lot, I imagine. Do you know what? I think that's what I'm going to I'm going to before that comes on i'm gonna i'm gonna start watching that because please do i urge my, you i've watched I the first you. episode so and good. i loved it so i'm gonna definitely i'm gonna do that before the, mm-hmm. the second series comes amazing and then we can fully fully get into it fantastic do we want to have a quick after sun chat oh man always that is just <laughs> one of my uh, all-time favorite films i think um, is it I'm, that's I'm amazing I recommend it on this podcast before, but mm-hmm. I'm still not over it. I don't think I will ever be over it. When you said it's and... just like profoundly changed my worldview, I was like, that's art, man. Yeah, what it's a... just like it's just like the way that it like makes you question like when you're a kid that you don't really, you just kind of see your parents as like this entity and this being that is just there. You don't really ever stop to think like what they were feeling at that time. So you don't, you don't really imagine your parents to have like feelings and like... Mm. All the, and seeing like him go through that depression of his daughter and her, her daughter kind of being pretty much unaware of it and then sometimes she it does like catch on and stuff uh just really got me in my feelings and I, th- those two are just unbelievable in it like the, the performance from both of them she's wonderful she, isn't she that kid? i think that's her, that's her, she was just like plucked off you know that's her first ever performance in anything which is mad and like i just how she was every bit as good as he was and he was obviously mm-hmm. Oscar nominated for it which is massively deserved but she is every bit like inch for inch as good as him in that film yeah he really sort of dug into the depths of it didn't he and it had that real sort of tender I want to understand my dad thing and the sort of tragedy of you know because you, you can't ever you know Whatever your relationship with your parents is like, you'll never really know them. And that's quite weird, isn't it? You'll never, yeah, they'll always be your seeing... parents. You'll never know them as just people. However. And I think seeing that in a, in a like trans, trans, translated into a film is like the mm. first time I've ever really sort of thought about that, that you kind of, your parents are just your parents. So like you don't really, you never really see them from any other perspective. And oh man, it was just so deep. And I, I think what made it amazing for me is that like the I'm not gonna spoil the ending for anyone that hasn't seen it, but like it wasn't like it was it was the ending is quite open to interpretation, which I think makes it worse because it's not like definitive or anything. And I, I think the last thing you want to be feeling at, at the end of a film is like more questions. Obviously, mm-hmm. that is good to to think those questions. I thought but... it was quite definitive actually. Yeah, but maybe I, that was just my take on it. Like I to me, it was, it was well, only saying one like... thing. Yeah, I think so too. But the fact that it's like the it's like the classic ending for the Sopranos, where it's mm. it's definitive but not quite definitive. And then like I I'm always so optimistic. Like I thought I always think like in the Sopranos, I hope Tony didn't die. When obviously everything is pointing to the fact that he did. And like similar to this film, like that unless someone tells me that the exactly definitive ending, then I always have that hope that maybe it worked out okay in the end. Listen, until Tottenham are out of all competitions and all of our players are injured, there is still hope. And we've got to have exactly. that, man. We've got to have it. We've got, we've got to cling on to the 2%. We do. We do. If it's all we've got, it's all we've got. Have you got anything else for me this week? 
Right, so speaking of the Oscars, because it is that season. Oh, yeah, it's your time. Um, it's your season. It is my time. I really believe that. So I wanted to just recommend three films that have all been Oscar. So I'm basically trying to watch every single Oscar-nominated mm-hmm. film. I think I've got I've got four to go um, out of all the ones that are nominated. And I just want to recommend three films that are not like best picture contenders, but are ones which people might have missed. Um, one of them is, and this is very strange to be recommending, recommending this on this podcast, is Puss in Boots 2, which is up for best pic- animated picture and fucking hell it's such a good film i feel like, like that's just, fully in our niche man like yeah, a and quality it's like, kids movie i i'm i'm not really into that franchise at all i think like the first two shrek obviously like made a massive impact on like everyone everyone's quoting them when we're in school and stuff like that didn't really i don't think i've even seen shrek three and four i don't think i've even. I've seen never seen any of them you know i think yeah, i had a weird I, like I was, I, it, it was that sort of phase where I felt very committed to the Pixar output. Yeah, and I've, I've never really liked like the animation style and stuff. And then I saw this film getting like rave reviews and everyone's saying like it's life-changingly good. So I watched it. And it, it, it's like it's like the Enter the uh, Into the Spider Verse of the of the Shrek universe is that like oh my god it's, that's, it's that's a pos- massive compliment <laughs> it is it ha- <laughs> obviously is heavily heavily influenced by that film like mm. there's all kinds of crazy animation style but what it without again without spoiling anything it's basically he so he's lost eight of his nine lives and he's got one life to go and it's like really really introspective and really like it's really deep so if you are you know if you've got your kids and you want to take them to a film that also like challenges you as an adult as well then that's a really really good one. Um, another one so is um, one of the foreign uh, best foreign features which is an Irish film called The Quiet Girl <gasps> I'm so glad uh, you mentioned that I'm desperate to see it it's because so were you good. on the pod when I recommended the book by so no, this is not no, okay so this is based on a book by Claire Keegan and I haven't ah. read that which is called Foster and I haven't read that one but I did recommend her other book called Some Things That Stay Small Things That Stay why can't I yeah. ever remember what it's called? She's a brilliant writer. It's a brilliant book. And I'm very excited to see that film. It's in Irish, it's, right? Yeah, it's in yeah. Irish. I think it's the first ever Irish one to be nominated for Best um, best International Feature. Um, and it is amazing. It's such a like, brilliant, brilliant story. It's like very emotional. The girl that is the the titular quiet girl is amazing in it too. Um, so that is another one. And then the one which I wanted to speak about the most was, so if you've been following the Oscars, there's this whole Angela Rise uh, Andrew Riseborough thing which has come out so basically yeah. <laughs> for those that don't know so there's a film called Two Leslie which is a very independent film no one saw it at all it ca- like did terrible business it just came out and went away and then didn't get, she didn't get nominated for any of the like the classic Golden Globes or the Critics Choice Awards or any of those and then like two weeks before the Oscars like loads of celebrities started to, obviously it was like a, a, tw- a marketing campaign loads of celebrities started tweeting about it like Edward Norton started it and then people like Kate Winslet went on Twitter to say, this is the best performance I've seen, like, everything, this, this, and this. And it like hundreds of like blue tick celebrities started tweeting about this performance, um, which is obviously like a, a, a campaign to get her Oscar nominated. And it worked. And she actually got no- Oscar nominated. And there's like really bad optics surrounding it because the people that she beat were Daniel Detweiler and um, um, the woman from The Woman King as well. And... Um, so there's a lot of controversy online about Viola so Davis, right? Viola Davis, yeah, yeah. of course, Davis, of course, Viola Davis, and um, which is not obviously not good. So mm-hmm. I watched it and wanted to, you know, I, you know, everyone's kind of like um, disappointed with, with how this has transpired and like the Oscars are investigating and all this kind of stuff. But she's fucking so good in it. It's it's so good. Like it, I was w- wanting to hate it and like hate everything that's happened because of it. But I watched it and 
fucking hell she is really really good and it. it's about like this this lottery winner um that she plays um and she's amazing so it's a shame obviously i i believe that viola davis should have been nominated i haven't seen till yet either um but you know that, that performance is supposed to be really good so it's a shame that this has kind of happened as a result of it but she is really really good in it so two who Leslie is another film that I'd recommend. It's not her um, fault, to be honest, either. And it's no, just it's like, it's, it's just it's because, you know, the Oscars are weird, man. And it's not like, like studios mount these fully aggressive campaigns every year. So, and to be it's, honest, like, it's just because the social media campaign is more visible, I think. Yeah, it is. And it's no different to what the studios spend all yeah. year doing, like paying people off and like getting, you know, in the pockets of each other and stuff. So, the whole thing's basically as corrupt as football. It is. It is very corrupt. But that it is well worth seeing. So too, Leslie, is my third and final choice. Um, what about you anyway? Well, last week I was a bit like, oh, God, I've just been reading and watching loads of heavy stuff. So, I've, so Charlie said to me, you need to just read something light. And I did not do that. <laughs> I went off and read um, a book about the Tuam uh, mother and baby home scandal. So, which is a um, small town in Ireland, and a local historian um, discovered that there were that like like eight hundred and thirty babies and children had died in this kind of brutal mother and baby home over you know a sort of 30, 40 year period. And it was all, it had been shut down long ago and had moved somewhere else and blah, blah, blah. And she found that all these babies had died and they had birth certificates and death certificates, but they had no burial records. And she figured that they'd been buried like underneath the home in a sort of sewage tank, which is just so distressing. And people were like, oh, it's not true. What are you talking about? And she basically kind of went up against the sort of Irish government and the Catholic Church in Ireland and kind of insisted that the truth needed to be told and spoke to loads of survivors of the homes and everything. And it's her story. And it is just unbelievable, man. You're just like the courage of this woman. She's just, you know, she worked on a farm with her husband, had kids and they'd left home and she was just kind of doing some like local history and just felt so strongly that she just could not let this story die. She's very like committed to it and just wanted justice and wanted somebody to say, we've done the wrong thing. And they wouldn't, you know, nobody wanted to admit it. And then when they admitted it, they didn't want to apologize. And actually the sort of saga is still going on now because, you know, they've had sort of inquiries and commissions and everything. But it's one of those things where you do things to be seen to be doing it rather than to actually address the problem. Um, and it kind of transforms her whole way of thinking and she, you know, leaves the church and it ends up being this quite sort of, she's a very sort of calm person, but it ends up being this very fiery, quite political book in some ways, in ways that I don't necessarily think she realised when she was writing it. And it's called Belonging and her name is Catherine Corliss. And it's not like a brilliantly written book or anything, but it's it's so powerful. And again, her courage is extraordinary and the way she just kind of commits to the people that she feels that she's championing alive and dead is pretty exceptional and it's a very sort of you know I I don't feel like I'm doing anything special but I feel like it's the right thing to do and I have to do it and I think she's an absolute hero so maybe next week I'll read something like but this week wasn't the week for it and um, we'll just have to wait for Tottenham to give us something to cheer about instead really what do we think yeah you kind of like 
have to surround yourself in the same kind of things that Tottenham provide you, don't you? So, you know, it's their fault, really. Like, I just can't. I'm just in. I'm just like down in it, really. So we've got like the last of us after Sun, quiet girl. Like it's it's all Tottenham's fault that we're sort of surrounding ourselves in this. Yes, or is it? It's one of those things, isn't it? It's the eternal question of like, why are we so attracted to Tottenham? Like our longest running relationship is with that stupid club, mm-hmm. a relationship we cannot leave, but but we we love them, and is it? It says something quite bleak about us, really, doesn't it? It does. It does. But, you know, we're not changing anytime soon, and neither are we're not. So. That's the thing. We're not changing. They're not changing. So, guys, I hope when you listen to this, you've all had a lovely Valentine's Day. Whether you're with someone, you're not with someone. I hope Tottenham can bring us all together with love. That's all we want. We just want to love you, Tottenham. We want to love you. Let us love you. Um, and a happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Billy, will you see us out? Up the Spurs. <laughs>